1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. What's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Do you want to make it out? Because no. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read PG-13. In
2: today's episode of The Sixers Beat, Rich and I have on Adam and Craig Malamut. Uh, the creators of Game of Zones, which if you don't know Game of Zones, it is an animated series hosted by Bleacher Report that mixes Game of Thrones and the NBA into one hilarious animated comedy with references to both. The Malamut brothers are lifelong Philadelphia sports fans, and we talk about their creative process in making Game of Zones a reality, what it was like to roast so many in the basketball world, what kind of reactions they received around the league from some of the people who were the butt of their jokes, the time they met Sam Hinkie, and where they'll go from here. You can find Game of Zones on Bleacher Report and on YouTube, and I highly suggest it. And with that out of the way, enjoy the podcast. Or as they would say, enjoy the podcast.
3: He is close, my lord. Excellent, thank you. Fire, Sam, now! I don't want more pigs, bro! I want a win! Want to to oh, Off to you this egg! You lie, guys! There's
0: no It's time, Sam.
3: I just need a moment. They say an analytics man doesn't have a heart. But I ran the numbers and nothing could be further from the truth. You are a son to me, Joel. Know that I will always be watching you. I will always believe in you. Please, forgive me for leaving. I have no choice.
0: Sam, open the door.
3: You will be the light that pulls this city from the darkness. The fruits of the process will soon ripen, and the harvest will yield. Great things.
0: Open the damn door, Hinky. Get the battering ram.
3: And no matter what, you must always, always trust the process. Remember, make sure they hold on to Robert Covington. Come Get on. your hands Covington. Always take the best player uh, available. Hey, be careful uh, with those lottery uh, spheres. Every kick is value. Uh, maintain uh, the long uh, view. Uh, and value optionality
2: Alright, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by a couple of guests this time. Um, we have the so, I guess to back up, you know, over the last couple of months during the coronavirus pandemic, uh, there have been two real sports storylines that have captured everyone's attention. You had uh, The Last Dance, and you know, we sort of figured getting Michael Jordan on the podcast was probably not too realistic. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine, because if I'm being completely honest, we have the the, the better series anyway, and we have the Melanie Brothers from Game of Zones, which has been one of my favorite things over the last few years since I found it. Thank you guys so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Uh,
3: thanks for having thanks, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, and plus, Michael Jordan's only one guy. We're two. So yeah. that's we're, we're double as, as fun. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess we'll start off. You know, I think if first of all, if if you guys have not anyone listening to this podcast is not a game of Zo- is not aware of Game of Zones, first of all. Correct that. Um, Go to YouTube, search Game of Zones. I think pretty much every episode from the series is going to be up there on that YouTube channel. Fix that right away. If you have any interest in the Sixers, in the NBA, and in Game of Thrones, although I don't really think Game of Thrones, especially in the later seasons, was 100% necessary to enjoy. I don't think it was necessary at all, to be honest, to enjoy the the series. Um, But if you have any kind of overlap in those interests, I think you will enjoy it. I guess we'll just start off with sort of like, how did this come to be? How did you come up with the idea? What were the first couple of, I guess, episodes, seasons like as you sort of built up steam? And, and where did this crazy basketball journey start from?
3: Uh, sure. So, um, uh, well, for going way, way back, the basketball guess, journey starts... I guess
2: real quick, uh, introduce yourself. Craig, Adam, let the listeners know which ones you are.
3: Sure. So... Uh, This is Adam Malamut, the elder Malamut brother. Some say smarter and funnier. (laughs) this is Craig Malamut, the better-looking Malamut brother. Uh, I'm not going to talk in that voice, by the way. I'm going to talk like this. Yes. Certainly, wow, the aesthetics of your voice. I mean, no question you are (laughs) (laughs) Um, better-looking. And so... The the way that Game of Zones got started was originally, so our first thing that we did together as Brothers Cartoon was called Sports Friends, and that was on Yahoo Screen. And it was um which Philly fans may know for the Chase Utley and Ryan Howard video called Baseball Friends, where they were just talking about how much they love the feeling of hitting home runs for two minutes. <laughs> and uh and that was our first foray into sports cartoons. That became sports friends on Yahoo Screen. And then someone at Bleach Report, Bennett Spector, who was at the time at Bleach Report running a thing called the Media Lab, which was like an experimental content um, group, uh, he had seen our stuff and he was interested in working with it, us. So we kind of talked through a menu of sports ideas of sports cartoons we were interested in doing and he gravitated towards this uh, Game of Thrones mashup because at the time it was the NBA playoffs it was uh it was 2014 it was the NBA playoffs and it was Game of Thrones uh season time and i think it was around season do you remember what season it was of Craig of Game of Thrones yeah, it time? was like season 5 was going to be coming out yeah okay I season wow that's crazy uh and uh and so it seemed like a timely thing to do a mashup of the NBA and Game of Thrones it was originally actually an NFL mashup but we changed that to NBA because it was more timely and that was a really good decision because uh the NBA is just a lot better uh, for that for this sort of thing. I think
1: definitely. Um, so, uh, if nobody remembers uh, listening on this podcast, I did an article on you guys for mm. Philly Voice. I think it was probably three years ago, four years ago, where you gave me the the backstory on this. Um, you you guys are from Cherry Hill, correct? Yes. So Shout you, out. <laughs> so you grew up uh you know as Philadelphia sports fans um I remember you know before we get to the Philly stuff I I I'm just curious about this I remember you guys telling me that for the first season maybe the second season you had to do all of the writing editing animating and as I was watching over the past couple of days the last season and refreshing, you know, you can see in the credits, all of the people you had working on this project. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It went
2: from like three people to a whole bunch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so can you, one, can you talk about that? And two, can you talk about in general, the entire process on how to make one of these four or five minute episodes? You know, obviously the the episodes varied in length, but just everything that goes into creating this project.
0: Yeah. um, I'll take this one. Sure. Uh, uh, So, Originally, yeah, we did everything soup to nuts. Uh, We wrote it, and then we would voice the characters, and then we would take the audio and uh, sound design it, add music, uh, edit everything. Uh, We had uh, one guy who's actually a Philly guy, Pat Keegan. uh, He would do the storyboards, and then we would um, design the heads, um, build the mouths, uh, build the bodies. so that's And that's not just drawing the artwork, but that's rigging them so that they can move in animation. And then uh, we would animate it and then uh,
3: export everything and do all the deliverables. And, everything. Uh, and by the way, that's why the, the first three seasons are like two episodes each.
0: Yeah, and that whole process would take us forever. Uh, the episodes started getting longer and more ambitious. Every additional character would be more man hours we'd have to put into this thing. So... Uh, You know, we made the first couple episodes in like three or four weeks each um, because we were working crazy hours. But then uh, the third and fourth episodes probably takes us about six weeks to make an episode by ourselves. Um, And then – And then uh, by the way, that's six weeks
3: when we write them so that nobody moves. Like no characters move. It's six weeks of writing it to be really simple.
0: Yeah, yeah. that, that was always frustrating for us because we'd have to constrain our ideas by what we we're able to physically animate. Uh, and then when season, I called, we call it season four for like organizing purposes, but season four was when the show became an actual weekly show. And that was because Bleacher Report invested more heavily in us and we hired this guy, Chris Wallinger, who came from an actual professional animation background. Whereas Adam and I had taught ourselves everything with like online tutorials and like YouTube videos. Um. Chris had a network of animators and experience and um, he helped us build out uh, a real pipeline, like an assembly line of like a, a team of artists who are way better, who all went to animation school, knew what they were doing. And so Adam and I could spend all of our time just writing and voicing and directing and doing the sound design. Uh, and all of the artwork was done by uh, about uh, six to eight other people. Um, and that was a game changer. And that's when the show, you can, you can see the production value goes way up. The, the likeness of the characters starts getting better. The backgrounds become more complex and, um, just more visually appealing. And, uh, there also, we have someone called a compositor who was doing special effects and everything. Um, and by, you know, season seven, we were, we were able to make a 12 minute episode, which was like unheard of. It still takes the same amount of time to make though.
3: Uh,
1: Because we just scaled up
3: the ambitiousness of the episodes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, that's like making like a four hour movie or something like that Mm -hmm. with uh, with how you guys started. I I would say, too, in a way, specifically when it comes to the Sixers, it feels to me like it turned out perfectly for you guys. Because just just the timing of the team's trajectory, because like you said, you start the very first year. It's just you two. They're losing a billion games, and I think when I look back at that first couple episodes, like Kevin Love is on the Timberwolves. Yeah, like that's how long you guys have been doing it. It was quite a. (laughs) And he's lecturing. He's lecturing Steph Curry on winning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and then as the detail and the storytelling, and you just get more people to help you, and everything gets better and better. The Sixers start getting good, but they get good in the weirdest most interesting way possible. So, and then I think, you know, you you had mentioned a few times, I think Nerlens and Ja get in the Kobe episode, I believe they get in there. But then by the fourth season, you're ready to have a full Hinky and beat episode and Colangelo, which is amazing. So, so do you guys think that kind of worked out well, that you could save like you were a little bit more at the top of your game when all of this process stuff had been fleshed out
3: well um interesting i don't know it is interesting to see the trajectory of the sixers alongside there has like we could just do a whole game of sounds just about the sixers and like i would love to do that although i think the scope would be narrower and who would be have as much of a we're already talking about a very niche appeal niche yeah Yeah. very niche but uh but, you know, I, I think that, like, it was cool that, like, right as we got the resources, we, like, we always knew in their back, but well, we got to do something about the process. We had, we had something, uh, with Sam Hickey was, like, mentioned in one of our early episodes, but we were also kind of, like, self-conscious about being too much, uh, homers and stuff like that. And we weren't, we <laughs> wouldn't really grasp, like, how interesting is this to non-Philly fans, especially in the early stages of the process? I mean, like, the, what what he was doing was interesting, but certainly the players like nobody knew any names of any players on the Sixers, and so it, like in the beginning, like Bleacher Report wanted us to do. You know, we felt like we needed to do bigger names and bigger things like that, and like to do episodes on some of the process. Guys felt like, given our like, we're only doing two episodes a season, it felt weird to do something focused on the Sixers. So it felt like the right time, right as the Sixers were blossoming. Season four, we're able to finally do devote a full episode to the process, do it properly, and the whole hinky and bead thing. And uh, that the the problem with writing that episode though is that think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Cause we're like, okay, here we go. This is our <laughs> opus. This is it. I've yeah. got to make this good. And like, I remember like sitting there writing it and being so stressed out. I'm like, it's not ready. It's not ready. It must be perfect. This must be perfect. And like, yeah. I would listen to serious like music as I was writing Hinky's speech about like they say a numbers man doesn't have a heart. And like, I was like getting so into it. Um, So it's nice sometimes to write about like the Grizzlies or the Lakers or someone else because it's I don't feel as much pressure. Like when it's Philly stuff, I'm like, this has to be right. This has to be right. Yeah. Well, there was also another
0: hiccup because after we had written the episode and and we're starting animating it, it was supposed to be the third episode in season four. And then there was a big, like, shift in the uh, storyline about this, the Sixers. And they oh, yeah, because
3: that was up. when, when Hinky left and Calangelo came in. Oh, no, it was, it was the Nerland's trade. It was the Nerland's trade that happened. And we had to put that in.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a couple of factors. Because we had written it when it was, like, Embiid was just coming out and just crushing everyone. Yeah. And it was, like, in January. Mm, and January then, uh,
1: 2017, and then February. Yeah. It got bad. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. So we wrote it in January, and then we had to append that final scene with the Calangelos, uh in order to make it feel more relevant because it didn't. We didn't want it to feel like it was stuck in that era in, of time and wasn't updated. So that was a, a challenge for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that, always challenging. That a opening,
2: <laughs> that sorry, opening to that that episode with all the references from <laughs> "Wah of Wah" to the skyline. <laughs> Too. I mean that was just it was it was a master I, I remember sitting there and, and rewatching it frame by frame, <laughs> trying to get every reference. And you guys really packed them in there. It was great.
3: Yeah, it was very Thanks. satisfying. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the thing is like we have limited we, in season four. Even when we had new, um, more, we were had more robust animation staff. We still had limited resources, and so. We were trying to, like, in the crowd, like, we wanted to do, like, just fill it with all sorts of Philadelphia people, but we couldn't. We only could do, like, five people, so, like, and we were in a crazy rush, and a lot of the animators don't, know, um, like, they, you know, they don't know sports as much, so we're, like, we ended up, like, I think... He did, did – well, how do we end up getting all the Always Sunny was, guys in there? Like, no, what
0: happened well, – we had this, uh, one animator, his name is Sean, and uh, <laughs> we gave him a – we wrote a Google Doc of all sorts of Philly celebrities <laughs> right. and personalities and from like you know TV and movie stars to uh, like radio guys and things. And uh, they didn't know any like sports people, so they just chose like – the whole cast of "It's Always Sunny," or at least Charlie Day and and Danny DeVito. <laughs> they just chose the guys like, they knew. Yeah, they didn't yeah, do any other the local
3: we, sports guys. We got
0: we got M Night, and we got uh, Kevin Hart was in there, um, and then Tina Fey. So um, and Ben Franklin. Put, he
3: was ben running Franklin.
0: With, he was selling cheese sticks. Yeah, we we were like, you have to put Ben Franklin in there. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, yeah, so what we ended up doing was we had to fill out the whole crowd, uh, but we couldn't design any more characters because we were over budget. So what they did was they just took all those people, like all their faces, and just recombined their like <laughs> eyes and nose. And so you just see like these horrifying people in the crowd. They're just like combinations of like Danny DeVito's like <laughs> fa- like eyes <laughs> with uh, I don't know like like Kevin Hart's lips. Yeah, yeah, it was just like it's a mess. Yeah.
1: So, fun fact. The, the Easter eggs are unbelievable in some of those episodes, just like every little detail. And I imagine on most episodes, there are things that I just don't pick up from other markets, or maybe I'm just not paying attention closely. But for those Sixers ones, like, I mean, the chalkboard and the Calangelo app, like, it's like secrets to tell Barb. Um <laughs> There's just like a lot of really funny. Stuff. I think oh, and milk Lee, of the
2: Popovich. I like that one just because of its tie-in with Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think
1: I think it I, like
2: it, this isn't this isn't Philly, but the, the Mike D'Antoni episode is a classic. Uh, if you want to see a, a great Easter egg, go go watch that one. That one. Cool.
1: One of the signs I think says Eskin is a poo doggle <laughs> No, it's a fop doodle. A fop doodle. Oh, sorry. On. Yeah, come on. You don't I know can't. your medieval
3: insults. Did you even do any research for this?
1: Speaking of that, uh, the I think you said on Zach Lowe's podcast that one of the inspirations, and I should have known this right away, is that Robin Hood men and tights played a big part in your childhood. And I honestly think you're animating, basically, Robin Hood men and tights in the NFL. I, th- I just thought that was perfect. The uh, As far as the voices, I'm pretty curious about that. Like, I think it's amazing that you guys were able to teach yourselves how to animate and all of these things did the did the voices come naturally because you guys voice pretty much every character right yes yeah, so i
3: think the the voice we we do every character uh with the exception of uh howard back uh, nba writer bleacher report uh, he does oh you know him you guys know him um but uh he he does himself in uh the Media Dell episode. And uh and then Omar, who founded House of Highlights as a crossover promotion, he did the voice of Nick Nurse, who has one line in an episode. So other than that, uh we we do all the voices. I would say the voices actually came before everything because that was that was what got us into animation. I think like I would do a ton of impressions and voices just to make Craig laugh and my family laugh. Like my humor developed by trying to make my dad laugh at inappropriate jokes at dinner. And to do that, I would just do all sorts of voices and ridiculous characters. And so when when I thought about what and also I I could always draw and Craig and I would play this thing called the drawing game where we both could draw and I we we would just say a random thing like uh uh uh, banana Toast Man, and we'd have to draw like Banana Toast Superhero Man, and I'd love playing that game with Craig because he was six years younger, and my drawings would always be better, and it would make me feel good about myself. But but I would always do those voices, and I knew okay, I can draw, I can do voices. Animation seems like the thing, uh, you know. I, I liked writing too, and and so it was actually the voices that led me to be in, and the, it was one of the fundamental like talents. I think that I noticed that like, or at least I don't know if we're good at it, but like, at least we like doing it. It was fun. And, uh, and so that was, that was what led us helped help lead us down towards animation as a way to do our voices as a place as give us a way to, to do that.
2: All right, let's pause for a brief break to hear from our friends at Hawthorne. A lot of you out there probably aren't all that deft at finding the right fragrance for your needs. Shopping for a cologne can be challenging, stressful, and overwhelming. There's too many fragrances too many name brands and not enough personalization to get you the right fragrances for you. Our friends at Hawthorne are here to help you with that with an easy process that will get you hooked up and smelling wonderful with fragrances to match your lifestyle. They start you off with a questionnaire with questions ranging from the sensitivity of your skin, your grooming and maintenance routine, what level of knowledge you have about fragrances going in your personality and what your typical day looks like. From there, they send you two different fragrances, one for work and one for play. For me, they picked out a wonderful fresh and marine sandalwood for work and then a more playful aromatic and woody scent as well. They also have personalized shampoo, body wash, and deodorant to match your lifestyle and personality. If you're looking for a gift for Father's Day, look no further as Hawthorne has you covered with some great options to choose from. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com hawthorne.co and use my promo code sixers to get 10% off your first purchase once again that's hawthorne.co and use my promo code sixers to get 10% off your first purchase hawthorne.co and now back to the show you know i think when you guys started off it it, from my outside it felt like the some of the jokes were a little more like direct one-to-one to a game of Thrones scene. Like it almost seemed like you were paralleling game of Thrones more than in later episodes. It's almost like you had this world now fleshed out. And I think some of the jokes sort of stood on their own. First of all, I guess, what was it like sort of building that world? Um, and was there any thought of letting this go on even after game of Thrones ended and there wasn't maybe that source material to tie into?
3: Craig, do you want to answer or do you want me to answer? Uh, you can answer. Um, So this whole show has been like pushing a cart with square wheels up a hill because it was not meant to, it was just meant to be a one-off viral video thing. (laughs) We had no idea we're going to be making this whole thing. And so we had to kind of constantly problem solve because we didn't do any problem solving in the early stages for how to make this a long-term thing. It was just like, how can we squeeze this thing out, you know, and then as a, as a, one-off and then how can we, and we when Bleach Report was like can you do another we're like no we used all the jokes
2: and uh that's how so, I feel every time I write an article
3: <laughs> yeah and uh and so we were we just really we really had to kind of pro it was a, a lot of it came from problem solving and as the episodes started we kept doing more and more the metaphor started breaking down like you can't go one-to-one with Game of Thrones because it just doesn't connect and like though there's too many problems with like that like, you know, one example is in Game of Thrones, houses form alliances. You know, you never get houses with alliances in the NBA. And that's why that was the genesis of the Sun Kings episode what would happen if they <laughs> teams tried to do that. But like it's just things just didn't make sense or match up and all the metaphors break down. So we knew around season four and Bleacher Report was like or even around season three, when Bleacher Report was thinking about expanding this to more, we Craig and I were like, we have to rethink this fundamentally. I don't think we can keep it as just a spoof of Game of Thrones. I think we have to make this medieval we, we so we rethought about it as fantasy basketball like, you know, like like not like fantasy fantasy basketball, but like fantasy but medieval fantasy basketball world and we're going to take storylines from the NBA and we're just going to turn them into medieval fantasy. That feels like Game of Thrones. So it's now going to become a Game of Thrones inspired world um that you know based on NBA drama. And so that was part of the problem solving. Um, but we still do watch Game of Thrones for scene inspiration. And occasionally, like, a lot of stuff is, especially this last season, season seven, was more of a spoof of Game of Thrones than it was the NBA in some ways um, in their final season. But um, but for the most part, we knew that if we needed to go to eight episode seasons, uh, we had to figure some other model out because it, you just couldn't. I mean, how many? We already have, like, th- three Tyrions and, like, three Jamie Lannisters and like, it's like, oh, there's like eight brands. I mean, like Paul Pierce is the final brand, but like, like it started as Derek Rose's brand, basically every injured player becomes brand. And so like, we had to just, we basically, we ended up just, the show is just the result of constant problem solving. And that's why like Kyle Corver is a hawk because we made him a hawk in, when he was on the Hawks and, you know, and things like that. It's, it's, there's all these grandfathered in things that are from our original, way of doing it and then it kind of changed as we went on and we kind of wrote this whole show bible we figured out how the economy works and that's why you mentioned um uh uh Nerland's and Okafor are in uh the kobe episode of, the, of kobe's retirement and you see them as like paupers and that's because we kind of started to fig- figure out that like okay the economies of the teams are based on how the teams are doing so like golden state is really really rich their town and the Sixers that during that time were really, really poor. And uh, these were all things we kind of just figured out as we started to realize I think we're gonna be making a lot more of these things than we than we expected.
1: So this was in twenty eighteen. I can't find an actual date on when you released it, just because I think the video I was watching was the YouTube the entire season, but I imagine it was towards the uh the end of it. And this was released on I believe it was June fourteenth, twenty eighteen. Right. I think I know what it's you're talking the uh about it's the Colangelo uh Brian Long College episode and I looked at the date of when the the Ben Dietrich ringer article came out that was like it was like late May and then a week later June 7th Colangelo and the sixers officially part ways so I mean obviously I remembered that episode very well but you know there's so much stuff that happens in the NBA and just I guess the world in general to, that two years ago feels like five years ago so did you guys, when the uh, when the Ben Dietrich Ringer story dropped, say, "Okay, we've got to turn something around yes. pretty quickly here"? <laughs> it, or- was,
0: it was it was more like the whole internet said, "Okay, you guys
3: need to turn <laughs> yeah. something around pretty quickly." Here. Yeah, <laughs> never been at mentioned.
0: Yeah, so much the, the like-
1: bat
3: signal. Oh, the at signal. That's a fun thing. We should remember the at signal uh, was like flashing, and uh, and we were we were like, "Okay, we've got two weeks. We have to do something about this." No, we. I think do we have two weeks? Maybe we, one week. It was. It was. Something. Oh no, we had, a, we had a week to write it and record it, and another week to animate. Yeah, it, it was something insane. So we knew off the bat that we had very. Li- we had to keep it real simple. Okay. The other thing is we really don't like to do active stories because like they change so much. Like for example, like it came out. You know, the one night you think, think it's uh Colangelo's burners, and then the next day it's his wife's, and it's like you, you have to be really careful writing a script and getting it down the pipeline. People start animating, it, and then a story changes. So yeah, it's really,
0: uh, well, we we wrote. We wrote the whole thing before we knew about his wife, and then you'll hear if you watch the scene, you'll see a really wedged-in line about "Oh, my wife did
3: this or something," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my wife's burners, uh, and and so that was tricky. But we 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 knew we had, and, and luckily it was the last episode we were doing it for, which is when we have all hands on deck. So basically, we we do a staggered season, so like things are going through a pipeline. So like one episode will be r- r- being written while another one's being storyboarded, another one's being animated, another one's being mixed. When the last episode comes out, you have, like, every hand on deck. So you have, like, some flexibility there. And so we worked with our production manager. We said, we've got to do this. We've got to put this in. It's a Sixers thing. We we wouldn't be able to live with ourselves if we didn't. So we just scrambled to write something. And sometimes, like, the things you have to do, like, with your back against the wall and just – you, there's some – there's a level of not caring about, like, every <laughs> detail. Like, you know you can. And it makes it funnier in some ways. So that's scene ended. Yeah. You can
0: you if you pay attention you can see that the background artwork is the same from the process episode and we already had Calangelo designed from that episode. So those are the kind of thing we had
3: to build that whole We didn't have his collar that big r- though. So we had to be yeah, like no, we, scale up the collar. <laughs> yeah. They're like, We can't make it that big. We're like, You gotta yeah, it was like we're sweating. It was like, you know, like when a nuclear submarine we're like standing over the animator's shoulders, like the designer like bigger, it needs to be bigger, bigger He's like, I can't go bigger, my computer's smoking and uh, <laughs> And we uh, we use all our computing power to bring it, to transform his collar to maximum size. I,
1: I will say, w- when it comes to Game of Thrones characters one to one, Jerry Colangelo as Tywin Lannister is about <laughs> as good as it gets. That just is is very clean. But yeah, uh, that episode was awesome. Yeah, nice. have, you, have
2: you ever done that where like you 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 take the Sixers ownership, front office, management, and make them Game of Thrones? Because the just just the
3: Sixers management. Um,
2: Especially the Sixers, but yeah, anyone. anyone.
3: Uh, I mean, let's see. We have to go through. So, the, the, we, at the top level, we know like.
2: By the way, we're asking you to do this because if Rich and I right. do it, we could get in trouble. So, so.
3: <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, I don't know if we know enough to do it accurately. So, it might need your help. But like, I know we've got um, we've got Elton Brand and Alex Rucker; those guys that we know uh, at the top. And then also we got Josh Harris and all those guys. And then. Um, and so let's see. I just don't know enough. And the problem is to do this on the fly. There's so many, I don't know enough. And so what happened is I would say like, this guy is definitely uh Ramsey Bolton. And I'm like, so wrong. Cause like, or, like, or I don't, I, ma- mainly I'm, I, what I worry about is like giving some guy like some heroic title. It turns out like, they're like, oh no, that person's actually right, a huge right. asshole. Um, so I'm trying to think, but like, first of all, you have to position the Sixers as as a house, you know, and I, I don't, they, they'd be more like, um, like we made, uh, Mark Cuban, uh, Lady, oh, Ob- not Olena, Lady Olena, Ob- yeah. yeah, and like,
2: to a very terrified Nerlands Noel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: yes, and, uh, and, and like, that seems like the kind of level of house, like Sixers wouldn't be Lannisters, you know, they, they would probably be a, a good, powerful house, but not a top house. Like, you know what I think of Craig? The, um, Who's the ones the 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 house that uh, Littlefinger goes to with the bird and the guy the kid oh. who like is breastfeeds Aaron, at like seventeen? Uh... <laughs> yeah, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Aaron. yeah. Um. So let's go with them for the Sixers. Let's go with House House Aaron. Yeah, John Aaron's or whatever his name is. Old House. Uh, what's his name? The guy Aaron Craig. The guy who dies. Yeah, the I think it's John. Yeah, John Aaron. John Aaron. God, I'm forgetting so, everything right now. So we'll make the Sixers the eerie or whatever it is. Uh, the Erie. The Erie. <laughs> just on level of power. Um, okay. which is strong, but needs help, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and But you know what? Like, you know, they're not, they're, they're definitely would go deep into the playoffs, that house.
2: Well, but, that yeah. also works because, you know, the, the Erie is on top of that big hill. It's a pretty much impenetrable castle, and the Sixers couldn't lose at home. So there you go. Right. right. Yeah,
3: ex- there you go. So they're, there's they're, that they're too. Tall. They're big. And then who would be the little boy... St- like who's who breastfeeds from his uh, mother? That'd be you know I guess I guess I guess that'd be Josh Harris would have to be the mother. And, I'm not
2: going anywhere near that. <laughs> end. Yeah, yeah. and I was Alton about to go, say something. Elton no. Brand,
3: Elton Brand would be the little boy. <laughs> um, so let's go with that.
2: Um, All right,
3: there, um, there's a take you can't make. That being said, <laughs> no. I like Elton Brand. I'm a fan, but you know we only we only have limited choices here on House Aaron. <laughs> Those are like the two characters. Oh no! There's also the big guy who wears the big breastplate. Who's like, yeah. So we'll make, we'll make yeah. him Elton Brand. That's Embiid. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's Embiid. So, so that's the magic be- right there.
1: That's how we do it. You guys in general are equal opportunity roasters, which I would say. Like, you. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad or or if anything weird happened to you. It just for the Sixers, maybe you don't have to work quite as hard because there's just so much stuff that 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 are there. Did any did you guys ever get any feedback that an executive or a player or somebody was like like not enjoying how they were portrayed in this um, crazy world you guys created?
3: So mostly everyone was cool about it, including like Mark Cuban was was good about it. Um, and we went hard on him because he had he had made a joke or Bleach Report made a joke about Dirk shooting. Put a it said Dirk forever, and it was a picture of Dirk shooting an airball. <laughs> it was not the nicest post that Bleach Report made. And he was not thrilled about that and wrote a, a, a strongly worded letter. And so we, that cartoon was in response to his sensitivity there. But, you know, but he ended up being cool about it. There's the one person who uh, we hear through the grapevine was not thrilled was uh, one James Dolan, who is, uh, of course, is, is, uh, <laughs> known for being somewhat thin skinned. Uh, so uh, he apparently. Yeah. Uh, put in a few phone calls to some very powerful people to let them know that they didn't like the episode. And of course, Craig and I's response to that was like, Whoa, we did it. We made it. (laughs)
0: Well, I honestly, if we got banned from the garden, that would be like a dream. That'd be such an achievement.
1: I really like the, uh, this is a non Sixers one, but I was just rewatching a couple of them, just like a, a very obvious one. But one I, a joke I saw coming a mile away and still really enjoyed was the, uh, Joakim Noah yes. shooting the, the key very poorly <laughs> across the river. That was that was great. I I'm also curious, just, just about like, you know, in terms of the, the process, how you guys handle this, did your um as things ramped up, did your media consumption ramp up? Like were you guys like lunatic NBA fans before or did you have to start following Twitter or trade rumors or whatever? Like how how did you guys um you know that's your your source material for the for the show. How did you guys keep up with the NBA?
3: Um, well, Craig is a huge NBA fan. Craig, when <laughs> we started, didn't even know Steph Curry was. Yeah i I was like a big
0: AI Sixers fan um, when I was like ten or so, and then uh, I when I went to like I got really not into the NBA as I went into like school and college, and then Adam was was the one that was more, much more into sports and uh got me back into everything and then I had to catch up on everything but yeah I, I there was a there was a time in my life I didn't
3: know who Steph Curry was so. <laughs> yeah, um well a lot of people I'm didn't of you that. know way back in the that's day. true yeah like um, 20 years ago uh everyone has that time at some point but uh but <laughs> I, I for me um for my Sixers fandom uh this is not necessarily what you asked but like uh I we had season tickets um back in the day but Craig wasn't invited he was too young. Uh but like for me like I was way into the Sixers like it started like just around the end of Charles Barkley's time of the Sixers and then I was we had the season tickets of course we had were like po- between Charles Barkley and Iverson. So like uh, the Clarence Weatherspoon years was like when I when I started becoming a huge fan of, of Sixers. Sure Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah. Yeah. That was, oh my God. When they got like Jerry, Stack, when they got Allen Iverson though, that I would say like, that was like the, in, once they got Iverson that I was like all in Sixers were like, had like, at that point became my favorite team in Philly. And I was like, NBA was my favorite league. And like, that was that run, um, with, with Larry Brown and all that stuff was like, that was when I was like obsessed, obsessed. And then as in like the declining Iverson years, um, I also kind of fell out a little bit with sports um, when I was went to college and all that stuff. Um, it was also, I think, when Andy Reid and the Eagle, I became more of an Eagles fan. And like, you know, uh, I only had so much time to give to stuff. So like, um, but I, I would say that. I was always, always an NBA fan in and out, but never to the level that we would be equipped to do this show. And even still, like, you know, I'm still a casual NBA fan. Like I'll watch, you know, um, a, a decent handful of Sixers games and occasionally some other big games of the NBA, listen to podcasts, you know, during the season, um, you know, almost every morning on, you know, uh, coming into work but truthfully like we try to treat every team like we're huge fans of that team so I really like we are sorry we want every episode to come off authentic as though someone watches it and say whoever did this really knows their stuff so like obviously it's easy for us we know Wawa and Hoagies and like Philly stuff and process stuff but you know we want that it to come off the same way to a Milwaukee Bucks fan or a Grizzlies fan that like wow they really did their research and so what we do is we always Run everything by well, we do a ton of research, um, and we go deep into like the subreddits, like the of and the and the Twitter of like the team we're writing about, and uh, and and kind of get listen to podcasts for the team, and get a sense of the inside jokes and the culture and all that stuff and the things they like to talk about, and then we run it by NBA experts. Uh, and specifically, if we have in Bleach, at Bleach Report, if we have a fan of a specific team, we'll run it by those experts and be like, hey, does this resonate for you? Like the Knicks episode, which, you know, that uh, James Dolan loves so much. Um, that one, like we brought Knicks fans in and we were just like, just rant. Just tell us everything that – just let it out and give us all the things that Knicks fans love to complain about. And And so we will – we're not afraid to lean on experts when it comes to things because when we get things wrong or something feels inauthentic, it really bothers us. So it's like an obsession that we have to make sure that everything is authentic. Um, but as far as NBA fans, I mean, I, I think we're casual NBA fans. Like I still don't – I still watch videos and like try to understand like different kinds of like – Defensive sets and things like that, and I just I just can't like I can't watch basketball at a level where I could see who's actually good and bad. I, I yeah. I'm I'm still the kind of guy who's like that guy missed a lot of shots, he stinks. Uh, and so you know like I I but because I listen to enough podcasts, I'm like I know that Ben Simmons is very good at defense, you know. And that but that's not something I can see. That's uh that's something that people tell me.
2: Well, I mean just just uh, as a an example of how deep you get into like 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 Sixers Twitter, like there was a raise the cat in the process episode. Wow.
1: That was such a throwback too. I was so, yeah, it was awesome. So
2: I guess, I guess moving on, like touching on that, like when you're writing a joke, like a lot of these are very, very focused on that fan base. How do you balance like something that maybe only 10% of your audience, a joke that only 10% of your audience will get? Like how much are you willing to throw in those, those very hardcore niche jokes or how much are you hoping like maybe we'll make 20 of those jokes in an episode and as long as you recognize one of those references you'll feel connected to like the greater thing
3: um yeah Craig can I take this, um, or you? or oh, you go ahead yeah no I'll, I'll
0: start and then you'll okay. interrupt me at some point um, <laughs> but uh yeah I, I think the basic structure is we we write a, a basic plot um, and story structure that is a little bit broader and like easier to understand and then we add these like additional layers of pain almost of jokes as we go through the process and uh, no pun intended and uh we will make sure that um any joke that's incredibly niche like isn't or like the the whole plot doesn't hinge on it necessarily unless we're going to explain the reference but uh instead it'll be organically woven in in a subtle way kind of proportional to the esotericness of it um and i think that uh we'll after we write an episode we'll scan the backgrounds and we'll run it by other people and like experts and and we'll say like oh you know we need um a character to uh he gets like I don't know, angry about something. What can he say here that's like specific to the city? Or, um, and we'll just brainstorm around like very like that's where we can get more um, specific in our references. I don't know, Adam, if there's anything. Yeah, I would say there's happy.
3: always like a calculus that we're doing, which is like how funny is the joke, how esoteric is the joke, um, and 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 considering all those things. But generally speaking, we don't pander. Uh, we put in we pack in every joke, even if it's like really hard to get for a few people because people watch our show very actively so they'll watch it on YouTube or in the bleach report app or uh, Twitter or other places where there you could so the commenting is part of the experience so like that's where people can help each other figure out the stuff that is the references and so that's part of the become part of the experience is people make Easter egg videos to explain things or you watch it and you read the comments like oh I missed that I missed that I missed that and uh, we we like we prefer that way of doing things rather than holding everyone's hand uh we kind of just speed through pack in tons of references and if you get it you get it if you don't you don't and it's like it's good enough to hopefully to watch if you, even if you get 60% of what we're going for it still is dense enough that it's entertaining but you can always go into the comments and see all the stuff you missed um, and a lot of that is just our own insecurity about missing on jokes we figure if we just put a ton in there and obsess like Then like, you know, if this joke doesn't play and this joke doesn't play, maybe this joke will play for people. And we just we just try to pack in as much stuff, whether it's Easter eggs or, you know, we just layer it in there uh, and go for it all. Um, That's kind of our
2: attitude. All right, let's take a brief break to hear from Roman. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctors decide that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel anytime. So, if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com/sixers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com/sixers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And now back to the podcast.
1: So, what's next, guys? Uh, what does what yeah. does
2: Michelangelo do after the Sistine Chapel?
3: <laughs> um, well uh well yeah I, I agree. These are basically the same thing. So to be honest, like the Sistine Chapel <laughs> Sistine Chapel isn't we, animated and there's no basketball <laughs> has no basketball references. <laughs> we literally had a Sistine Chapel in our wars episode, by the way. Okay. So uh, that's just like one tiny yeah. fraction yeah. of our yeah. work. Yeah. I just I, I just think though that if Michelangelo, Michael how are you gonna paint that whole roof, that whole ceiling, and not make one basketball reference? I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: But, Maybe uh, that's what's next, just roasting yeah. famous artists yeah. and other historical there figures. Yes,
3: yeah, that is it. That's, we're going to do a podcast where all we do is we talk about a specific famous artist like, yeah. and and then we talk about why Game of Thrones is better than that. <laughs> why um, it's harder and why it's yeah, better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so as far as what's next, I will say that like, now that the NBA is planning to go back to Disney World and this whole drama with Kyrie and everything going on, it's like, oh my, like, Craig and I are like, this is a perfect time to do another season. Like It's like, there's like there's a whole tournament, literally, we always talked about everyone gathering for the big tournament, which is the playoffs. and now they literally are doing that. Um, so so there, there's a little bit of like that spark, but like I don't think that's that's very likely. I, I, I think Craig and I are in the process of talking about things we've always wanted to do now that we, we just want to take a little bit of a break from sports and maybe from topical stuff. And uh try some stuff with original characters and see if a lot of the stuff that we do works when our main characters aren't LeBron James or James Harden or Steph Curry. You know, uh, we we get a lot of, you know, we have a, that's a big booster for our stuff. And we're curious, like, will our humor and will our stuff hold up without that help? And, you know, maybe it won't, maybe it will, but we've kind of got to know. And so for us, we are developing concepts that we want to go out and try and pitch and see if we can do uh do do a non sports cartoon?
2: All right. So you guys mentioned whether anyone was angry at you, but you also you know, had a there are a number of, of references to Sam Hinkie throughout the the episodes. Uh, obviously, the process one you had Barack Obama saving him at one point at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. Uh, he was referenced in the final episode. You did get the chance to meet him. What was his? Like, had he... First of all, I know he's seen the episodes. Um, He was at the Sloan Sports Conference. But did he reference the episodes? Did he acknowledge that he knew about it? Was he completely weirded out by the fact that you guys had painted him in this light like what, what was that experience i, I think like? he was
3: weirded out because i was drunk and telling him how awesome he was uh so yeah. I, I was just like oh my god i'm like we will never do wrong by you thank you so much we love <laughs> love everything you did it was so brave so courageous and uh so i am mostly what i picture when i picture sam hanky is him trying to figure out how he gets out of this conversation with these two guys who are like all over him uh <laughs> Uh, but as far as the episode, what he told us at the time was that he hadn't seen it yet, but he got his phone was blowing up. He was teaching a class at Stanford when the process episode came out, and everyone was texting him. And like Daryl Morey told us he was texting him like crazy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's what we – So know.
2: when you met him, was this – so he, the obama hanky episode was – I think that was 2018, right? The Sloan Sports yeah. 2018. Was this before or after that?
3: It was like the night before, I think, Craig, that came out. Okay um yeah yeah you we went to like an analytics like party yeah <laughs> it didn't it didn't we... seem fun but when you look on paper it was the most fun party i've ever been to um,
2: <laughs> yeah. was it probably at like champion sports I, sports? I
3: have no idea it was in, you know it was in boston it was somewhere we went with kirk goldsbury name drop who we just sure. met the night before it was that night he was like hey guys come with us and it was awesome it was just like this bar
2: it was like the movie the hangover you know <laughs>
3: Um but with basketball <laughs> analytics. Yeah. And it was just it was packed with like all the front office people. It was like all basketball nerds. It was they, everyone was a fan it was like such a surreal, awesome night. It was great. Except for meeting Sam Hinky and just blowing it and just being a total <laughs> dork. And and um so yeah. I will say Sam Hagee was really, really nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I, I pictured him speaking with Adam's impression of him with a British accent. doesn't
3: speak that way at all. It was yeah. a deep yeah. southern drawl. does not sound like, yes, this is my creation. Yeah. <laughs> the process. What is, yeah? What does he say in the last episode, Craig? Uh, we burned things down, but, you know. It must rebuild it things. It didn't talk like that at all. Yes, yeah, more of a southern drawl. But also, I kind of knew that.
2: Well, I, I've definitely talked to a number from the front office, that are in there with Sam. They have they have definitely seen the episodes, and uh, I, I I think they appreciate. It. Maybe not Sam because he does get weirded out by some stuff like that, but certainly the, everyone else does. I,
1: I think every story you hear about Hinky at Sloan though is that people are talking his ear off and yes. perhaps embarrassing themselves. So Adam, I, I don't think like you're like necessarily special in that regard. So. Okay, okay,
3: uh, <laughs> good, good, good. good. Uh, the best case scenario, he forgot. <laughs> That's the best case scenario. He Never be your heroes. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I guess I have a couple of quick ones left um, that should be real quick for you guys. Rich, do you have anything else left? No, I think I'm pretty good. Uh, all right, so I guess um, what was your the favorite joke you've ever made throughout the course of the episode? Is there any that you were thinking of making that you weren't able to get in that hit the cutting room floor for whatever reason? And is there any that you ever felt guilty about making after the fact?
0: Mm, great question. I can. I'll start with my favorite joke, which I think might be Adams, but I'm gonna steal it. Um, <laughs> I love the drawing fouls pun uh, with James Harden <laughs> um, because it's just like the most absurd, like 30 second buildup. We like made built the whole scene around like being able to say this pun of uh, he's painting a duck and J- Russ Westbrook <laughs> asks like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I was just drawing fouls." <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I love uh, elaborate
3: buildups for stupid jokes. Oh, man. I, you know, I, I, I really haven't taken the time to properly figure out what my favorite joke is. And so I can really say there's a bunch that I really like. I always like James Harden when he thinks that, uh, when someone says he gets a letter saying your defense is weak AF that he thought it was <laughs> signed by a Donald Foyle. Uh, that one is the one I always think of. Uh, the horse trade is, is great. I, I also like the, um, boyan uh with so many wins. Oh my god, when he gets traded, like that one's good. Oh, a lot of the Vladi Dvox stuff is, is really funny to me. Um I don't know if I have a favorite Oh, well, I do have a favorite joke, but it was my favorite, and then it became not my favorite because uh this is not really a guilty feeling, but this is um uh well that basically the the Lucky, the death of Lucky, the mascot for the Celtics. Like, that was something that uh, Craig and I thought was so funny. Like, it's going to be two minutes long of old Brad Stevens just – Stevens explaining how Lucky took a blood oath and when the – you know, to always entertain during timeouts and when he took a 30-year timeout, like, Lucky tried – to, like, entertain during that time out, but he eventually just couldn't hold up, and then he died, and then he was, like, bones. And, and but at the end of that, like, Craig and I thought that was <laughs> so funny. And just, like, it, it, when we put that one out, everyone was like, I don't like the lucky part. It was good, but I don't like the lucky part. <laughs> like, okay. So, I'm like, so that was an interesting, uh, it, it was interesting to see how, what people like, and what we like, and where the difference is there. And, and maybe we, like, you know, we've been doing so much of this that the really weird stuff, we think is funny. Um, as far as a joke that I feel... It, bad about like i always feel like i'm always saying to craig like before the episodes come, i'm like god oh, this one this, is this definitely too mean to Carmelo anthony this is definitely too mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I definitely thought that episode was too mean. yeah, to Car- yeah. <laughs> um and then people like the catapult yeah, yeah um and so that i felt that that one might have been too mean there's definitely one... i yeah i added my difference of opinion on this one but i i always was like do we really want to you know go this far with jason kidd oh yeah yeah so. um <laughs> We went all in on Jason Kennedy. He literally calls himself an asshole. Um, and, <laughs> um, and, but you know, he's got a little bit of a, a checkered past, So maybe that was okay. I, I also feel like, you know, Vladdy, someone mentioned before, like, I'm like, I would go pretty hard on him. And, and the truth is that like, mostly all these people are pretty nice people. Um, and so they, no one like, like we, we, tr- you know, they always. I, I felt bad when Mario Hazonia was traded for a horse. That was obviously <laughs> something to feel, but like you know, he seemed to be a good sport about it. Um, the person I definitely don't feel bad about is James Dolan, uh, because <laughs> because you know whatever. Uh, but but you know, I I think a lot of times, yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know. There definitely are times when I think I'm like, uh, but it always turns out to be usually be okay. I wasn't sure if like in this last season, who was in this last season? Oh, like LeBron. Uh, Oh, Paul Pierce. I thought, I thought Paul Pierce. I'm like, this is obviously, what we're obviously saying is that Paul Pierce is not the GOAT. And I thought this, we, we had him sharding, you know, this guy's a great player, uh, one of the all time great players. And we have him just like (laughs) making shard jokes about himself for the first two things. And we call him the GOAT, but obviously not. And I felt like, oh, is this too mean? But then he like made it his profile picture and like retweeted it, and he, and so you know, I I really don't have that many regrets. I don't know if you do. Yeah, he Craig. might not have gotten the joke, though <laughs> yeah. <what> <laughs> um, And then
0: you know, you asked about stuff on the cutting room floor. There's like. A million things we didn't do that uh, we have just, like, pages and pages of documents and stuff. But uh, one thing, I I was listening through, like, some old recordings and things that we never did. We actually had a Sixer scene. Adam, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, we had our first process scene was going to be in – before season four. It was going to be, like, season – Three, if you want to call it that, Uh, and they go. We were gonna make it was the hinky faced god. Oh yeah, uh, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. And so
0: like in in Philadelphia, they prayed to the hinky faced god, uh, and it was like a spoof of the many faced god in Game of Thrones. And
3: um, I, I think it was Simmons or it was. Fultz, it, it, I forget. No, who it wasn't yet. It was. Fultz yet. It, was it was. Um. I, it was either. I wasn't even Ben Simmons yet. I think it might have been Ben Simmons that season. Who was the rookie who they just drafted. It was either. Yeah, uh, I think it was Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, and uh, and he answers the door, and it's like the the. Uh, what's that place called? The black and white. No, doors. no, no. He knocks, Simmons knocks on the black and white yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's answered, was it by
0: Matumbo? Yeah. And then it ends with, you know how Arya goes blind and then he starts going blind and he's like, and finally you must learn how to become a see like a ref or something like that. And it was our original refs are blind joke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I think we lost Adam. All right. Well, I think we were getting probably close to the end of it. Anyway I will include like I said I don't think there's necess- you don't I don't think you need a baseline knowledge of Game of Thrones to appreciate it. I will include links to some of the Philly and the 76 ers specific episodes. Thank you guys so much for jumping on. Uh, like I said you you've captivated so much of my attention and, and amused me so much over the last few years that I appreciate it a great deal and uh, best of luck to uh, whatever is next.
0: Well, thank you it was uh, pleasure being on. Thanks, guys. And I'm sorry, Adam, <laughs> you dropped out.
2: Last second dropped out. Yep. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thank you.
1: King James has
0: slaughtered the raptors in four battles. But I thought the Messiah Eugeri could walk on water.
2: <clears throat> Any other master of trades would be torched.
0: The king then conquered Bostonia after grueling seven battles. <clears throat> Tatum's ceiling is still lower than faults. Hmm, what's this? Brian Colangelo is dumb, and his collars are too big.
3: Uh, Brian's collars are normal size. Find a new slant!
0: Oh, thank you, honesty.
3: Uh, Brian is a class
2: act! I worked with him, so classy!
0: You know, when my wife decided to raise little burner Ravens, I had my doubts. But I've really grown to love you all. Even you, little Jacob Rubin.
3: Uh, Brian, you're so attractive! Jaleel felt his physical, Do you know that?
0: Oh, filler 1234567 Did someone mention me? Hmm, from Joelle. Lord Hinkey is better and smarter than you, Eric Jr. Er- Eric Jr?! Ah, wish I had a
3: medium-sized ladder! Shh, shh. What's this?
0: The Curious Case of Brian Longcollars?
3: Ah, normal collar! Shut
0: up, shut up! It's, it's long! Brian, are you in there? I- I'm busy! Maester Dietrich of the Ringer Guild has published a paper accusing you of using burno ratings. Is this true? What? No, th- that's ridiculous! Oh, sorry, Honest Abe. Where is he getting all this?
3: Some analytics wizard did an analysis of the scrolls! Wait.
0: A- analytics wizard?
2: No! <gasps> Hanky!